Hey everybody, you know, just a few weeks ago, it seemed like the weight of the entire world was on Congresswoman Ilhan Omar as she was being attacked first by conservatives, then by moderate Democrats who were all saying that she was a bigot. She isn't. But today, that same pressure is now on Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib as conservatives are attempting to frame her with a fake quote about the Holocaust that she never actually made. Trump himself has now targeted her, and it's all so very dangerous. I need to unpack and explain that attack because the mainstream media is doing a horrible job with this. And I need us to talk for a minute about why we should all care that conservatives are trying to make it out like advocating for Palestine means you hate Jews. It doesn't. Let's dig in. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. After spending most of the past six months targeting and harassing and attacking Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, who was the only refugee in Congress, the first woman to ever wear a hijab in Congress, and the only black woman Muslim in Congress, Yesterday, Donald Trump, after harassing Ilhan Omar for weeks, yesterday, Donald Trump and dozens of other prominent conservatives moved their attention over to my dear friend, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Detroit. And the pattern here is unmistakable. In 2018, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib became the first two Muslim women ever elected to Congress. And here's the thing. Theoretically, I knew that they were going to be targeted and harassed. I knew it in my mind. I knew that was going to happen, and I knew it would get ugly. But seeing it happen in real time is something altogether different. And just as they did with Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, they are now lying about Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, saying that she said something so outrageous, so preposterous and offensive, that I genuinely think it should be a crime to tell such a lie about someone. When I first saw it, I literally thought it was a hoax because they are saying that Rashida said this, quote, thinking of the Holocaust brings me comfort. All right, it's ridiculous. And as soon as I saw it, I knew that it was a lie. I know Rashida personally. I know her family. I've met her kids. I know her work. She is a kind, compassionate soul and fights against all forms of bigotry. She literally works and fights against anti-Semitism all of the time. She works directly with Jewish groups fighting bigotry against Jews. And when I first saw the headline of what conservatives like Congresswoman Liz Cheney, the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney, when I first saw the headline of what Liz Cheney and others were saying that Rashida said, I was so stumped that I wondered if they were trying to say that she said this BS 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And that's not it at all. They are saying that Rashida Tlaib said that this weekend, not that she was secretly recorded, but that this weekend on a popular podcast out in the open for the world to hear She said that the Holocaust brings her comfort. Take a moment. Let's just 
Let's just be real for a moment. Take a moment to think about that. Beyond the fact that Rashida Tlaib would never say such a thing because she doesn't believe such a thing, saying that out loud, saying that the Holocaust, when you think about it, that it brings you comfort, would immediately ruin anyone's career. You'd be toast. You should be toast, unless you're Donald Trump, of course, because Republicans are never willing to hold him accountable for anything he says. But Rashida Tlaib did not say this. She did not kind of say it. She did not say something like this. And anyone saying she did, including Donald Trump, who has now targeted her on Twitter and spread this lie to the world, anyone who says she said this is a damn liar. Uh, Let me say it how we used to say it. You a damn lie. Rashida Tlaib never said that. In fact, she said the exact opposite of that. She literally said that when she thinks of the horrors and the tragedy of the Holocaust, that it gives her some measure of peace to know that her people, Palestinians, provided the land that was used as a refuge for Jews who escaped. She didn't say that the, when she thinks of the Holocaust, that it gives her peace. When she said this, she said it just as, as I told you. And we're going to play the audio clip for you. And for them to cut and paste just a few of her words out to say that she said the Holocaust itself gave her comfort is not just disingenuous, it's dangerous. Let me play the clip of Rashida where she very calmly, compassionately talks about Israel and Palestine. And this was just recorded this weekend uh, from a podcast from Yahoo called Skullduggery. And she's in the room with the editor-in-chief of Yahoo News. Here's the audio, and I just want you to hear it for yourself so you know the truth for yourself. Here it goes. The, the, the breakdown. So what is your vision uh, for a one-state solution that meets both uh, uh, Palestinian and um, Israeli or Jewish national aspirations? Absolutely. And let me tell you, I mean, for me, just uh, a few, uh, I think two weeks ago or so, we celebrated, um, or just it took a moment, I think, in our country to remember the Holocaust. And there's, you know, there's a kind of a calming feeling, I always tell folks, when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust, and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some lost their lives, their livelihood, the human dignity, um, their existence in many ways, have been wiped out on some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post um, the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific um, persecution of Jews across the world at that time. And I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. Um, But they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. And so when I think about a one state, I think about the fact that why couldn't we do it in a better way? There are extremists on both sides who also are in favor of a one-state solution, which would be expelling uh, the Arabs or expelling the Jews. So aren't you playing with fire by supporting a one-state solution? I'm coming from a place of love for equality and justice. I truly am. 
I want a safe haven for Jews. Who doesn't want to be safe? I, I am, you know, humbled by the fact that it was my ancestors that had to suffer for that to happen. But I will not turn my back and allow others to hijack it and say that it's some extremism. Imagine just for a moment that someone said, I am so glad that when someone says something crazy like, I'm going to kill the president, I'm so glad that we have systems to catch and hold these people responsible. Imagine someone said that, that they were glad that when someone says, I'm going to kill the president, they're glad that we have systems to catch and hold these people responsible. Imagine someone hearing that and then all of a sudden trying to say, hey, that person said, I'm going to kill the president. No. The words, I'm going to kill the president, may have been in the sentence that they said. But they didn't say they're glad that they're going to kill the president or that they were going to kill the president. They said something altogether different. They did not say, I'm going to kill the president. And I see conservatives across the country say, no, 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 no. Rashida Tlaib said that thinking of the Holocaust brings her comfort. No, she did not. She said that when she thinks of the Holocaust, it brings her comfort to think that her ancestors provided the land that gave them refuge. That's not the same thing. In her quote, she openly says that it was horrible, that it was a tragedy. Of course, thinking of the Holocaust itself does not give her or any reasonable person with a heart and soul comfort. You don't get to cut and paste words and phrases together that someone said to make them mean and say whatever you want to make them mean and say. We saw this happen with Ilhan Omar. And when they lie about these women, and then when Donald Trump targets them, the death threats come flowing in, and they know that. I am frequently so ashamed by the state of affairs in this country. I'm ashamed that Donald Trump is the president, and I'm ashamed that we have women like Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and so many others being targeted and harassed and threatened out in the open like this. And I'm grateful that Democrats have done a somewhat better job standing up for Rashida Tlaib, but now the, the national media is still doing a horrible job. They're covering her words like, maybe what she said is true, maybe it's not. Maybe she did say she was comforted by thinking of the Holocaust, maybe she didn't. And it's absurd. But just for a moment, I have to break down what I think is the dangerous subtext of what's really going on here. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now. Ha. I have a question for you. Do you think that apartheid in South Africa was unjust and wrong? I do. And if you've made it all the way to this podcast, if you listen to this podcast and you've gotten all the way here, you probably also think that apartheid in South Africa was unjust and wrong. Now that apartheid has ended and has been gone for a generation, most polls show that 95% of people will tell you, over 95% of people will tell you that apartheid 
which was the unjust system of segregation and oppression from the white minority in South Africa, where people were forced off of their land, then I'm talking about millions of people, then often forced into the worst lands available, then denied all access to rights and resources, denied even the basic freedom to walk and move about the country the way they wanted. Apartheid was so ugly and such a horrible system of oppression. Police brutality was common. Systems of mass incarceration became the norm. Brilliant men like Steve Biko were murdered. And some of the best leaders in the nation, really in the world, were made into political prisoners there. And if you think apartheid was ugly, a version of apartheid is happening right here, right now, in Palestine. And just like during apartheid, it's hard to get the real truth about what's happening there because the media hardly tells the truth about what's going on in Palestine. During South African apartheid, countries all over the world actually protected the racist white bigots and defended the regime. The current government in Israel is really an apartheid regime. Palestinians have been forced off of their lands and into what amounts to an open-air prison. Palestinians cannot come and go. It is illegal. It is surrounded by gates and fences on every side. Supplies, basic supplies, food, clean water, and basic utilities are limited and siphoned into the people. And over the past year, with my own eyes, I've watched countless videos of unarmed, nonviolent men, women, and children be shot and killed by Israeli snipers and sharpshooters. And I don't mean once or twice. I've seen this now dozens of times. I'm talking about journalists. And I don't mean journalists who are smuggling a bomb somewhere and all of these fake tropes. I mean a nurse, a journalist, a young child, unarmed people. Most respected human rights organizations around the world, including Human Rights Watch and so many other groups, Nobel Peace Prize winners are calling these shootings war crimes and crimes against humanity. They've called them violations of international law, and they are. But something ugly is happening in the United States. It's been happening, but with Trump in power, it's getting worse. When you advocate for the basic human rights and dignity of Palestinians, when you advocate for the basic civil rights of Palestinians, you are now labeled a bigot, an anti-Semite. Trump tweeted yesterday that Rashida Tlaib hates Israel and hates Jews. She doesn't. That's a lie. I don't. Here's the thing. I loathe bigotry in all forms. I loathe anti-Semitism. I have personally put my life and my family's life at risk to track down neo-Nazis and bring them to justice. I am currently tracking several Nazis in multiple cases right now. And we have to be able to loathe anti-Semitism, which I do, which Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar do, and simultaneously fight for the human rights and dignity of Palestinians. And I'll close with this thought. Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian. She has family there right now. 
And this woman, our congresswoman, cannot be labeled a bigot when she advocates for her own people. The breakdown. Hey, everybody. We actually have something we need to do. It's the first time that we've done this, and I'm glad we tried so hard to be accurate. But I have an important correction that I need to make from episode 29 about my disappointment in the white staff and players of the Boston Red Sox. No, I'm not changing that. I'm still disappointed in them and their refusal to support the players and coaches of color on their team. All of that was accurate. But in the episode, I mentioned that the team's manager, Alex Cora, was born in Puerto Rico, and that's true. But I said that he immigrated to the United States. Now, when I said that, of course, I already know that Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States. But when someone is born in Puerto Rico and they move to the mainland United States, while some people regularly call it immigrating, it's really not the right word. It suggests that someone moved from one country to another. Now, it can be used interchangeably, but I really use that word incorrectly. It's best to simply say that someone moved from Puerto Rico to the mainland, but not that they immigrated. So thank you to the listeners for catching that and for giving me some better language to use. And we'll always make those tweaks. Break it down. The break, the break, break, the break, the break, the break down. Thank you all, of course, for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast right now, we're on a major campaign to get to 100,000 subscribers. Now, we'll be right back here every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love it if you subscribe to this on your favorite podcast app. It can be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please share this podcast with your friends and family. Our next big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers, and we're not going to get there without you. We also need you to leave a review. Have you left a review yet? Don't say you have. You're lying. All of you have not left reviews, and we need you to just take a moment to leave a great five-star review, particularly if you can leave that review on Apple Podcasts. We have now over 5,000 five-star reviews, but we're aiming for 10,000, so we still want to hear from you. So please leave your best review when you get some time. Of course, thank you to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star, whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. Now, if you love this podcast and you want to support our work, or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you consider becoming a founding member of our community. And you can do that today at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have our podcast, but hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, a shout out to our associate producer, Lysandra, and our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for their hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody.